Hey, beautiful. Have you ever wondered if there are stages of grief regarding material trauma, just like there are stages of grief when you lose a loved one? Well, as a matter of fact, there are stages. And we are going to talk about them on a two-part series. We're going to do part one today. We're going to come back on Friday of this week and finish this two-part series up. Get your pen and paper ready because we are going to start diving deep on the stages of grief in betrayal trauma. Hey beautiful, it's Lisa and this is Beauty Beyond Betrayal, the podcast designed for women who want to find hope and healing in the midst of betrayal trauma and loss. Each week, I help you navigate the murky waters of betrayal trauma by bringing you insight, wisdom, and ways to overcome the trauma and loss that you've experienced. I help you explore ways to heal, recover, and redesign your life the way you desire it to be. One that is lived passionately, out loud, on purpose, full of impact, joyful, and free, the way God intended it to be. I also bring in all things Jesus because he's the one who ultimately brings us into our healing and freedom from betrayal trauma. So beautiful, grab your favorite latte or a glass of wine, pull up a chair and focus on yourself for the next few minutes. Let's dive into what it really means to rise up from the ashes of betrayal and loss into a life redesigned. Welcome back, beautiful. I'm so glad to have you back for another episode of Beauty Beyond Betrayal. And we're going to dive deep in this one. You know, I've been working with a few clients and there's a question that keeps coming up. I really thought I needed to go ahead and address on the podcast. And the question is, Lisa, can you experience grief around betrayal just like you experience grief when you lose a loved one. And the simple answer of that is yes, you can. But I really want to walk through with you over the next two episodes what those stages are to kind of give you a heads up to see where you are in the process. Because beautiful, when you've been betrayed, when you discover the sexual betrayal that your loved one has been a part of, it plunges you into pain, into loss, and yes, grief. And the losses that you suffer can be extensive. It can be loss of trust uh, in your spiritual journey with God. Yes, we even question God at times because of what we've experienced. You can have a loss of trust in others, in yourself, a loss of your sense of self. Like you've lost your identity. You can look in the mirror and not even know who you are anymore. Then there's the loss of trust in your partner. You've lost the relationship itself that you thought you had, and you lost the future that you envisioned. So there are quite a number of losses that you can experience when you have gone through sexual betrayal. Now, some women express that it is shaking them to the very core and that their trust is completely obliterated. They don't trust anyone anymore. They don't trust anything in their surroundings anymore. 
and they they even question themselves. And if this is you, you're not alone because that's exactly what happened to me in the beginning. You know, when I was kind of thrown into this journey that I didn't ask for, I lost trust in everything. I lost trust in my relationship. I lost trust in my husband, trust for myself. And I really didn't trust others. I I didn't know who to trust for a while because it was so earth shaking for me. You know, back in 1969, Elizabeth Cobbler Ross identified five stages of grief. And those included denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. But when it comes to betrayal trauma, when you've gone through the sexual betrayal of your husband, your partner, who you have an intimate relationship with, I believe we can add two more to that. And so we're going to kind of take a look at those as a beginning to go into. So I've learned that there are uh, parallels with the loss of a relationship due to sexual trauma, betrayal, and the loss of a loved one, especially a sudden loss of someone. You know, I've shared a couple times where um, my dad uh, died very suddenly, very tragically, and it was traumatic for all of us, the circumstances that surrounded that. And I equate that with the sexual betrayal that I went through. And, and in all reality, I'll be honest, the sexual betrayal hit me harder than the loss that I went through with my dad. Now, we must go through the stages of grief. And I know that you don't want to hear that beautiful, but they are a part of our healing journey. And they're not linear. In fact, they can overlap at times. They can You can actually go through them again as a repeat process. And you might even find yourself bouncing in between the stages from any given moment. Is this normal? Yes, it is. So I want you to rest in that and know that you're not crazy, that this is a normal process of the healing journey when you are grieving the losses revolving around betrayal trauma. So I do want to tell you going into the the different stages that it takes time to heal from this. That's the truth. And our healing is different depending upon each individual because there's the processing that we have to do, um, whether or not we are focusing on, on our own self-compassion. But I want to tell you, Please be patient with yourself. Be kind with yourself and grant yourself the grace that God grants to you. This is normal, beautiful. And grant yourself the time and the energy that you're going to need to heal through this grieving process. Now, I'm going to give you some examples of the stages, and I'm also going to throw in some tips on how you can not get stuck there because we can get stuck in grief, and I don't want that for you. I want you to be able to process and to move through it because when we get stuck, that's when we develop more serious symptoms that can lead to post-traumatic stress disorder and other chronic disorders that can also 
mitigate itself within our bodies. And now our mind and our bodies are keeping score. We're getting into a place of dysregulation within our nervous system, within our immune system. Our brain is not functioning correctly. And then we can also enter into a state of dis-ease where our body and our mind get sick. So I want to give you some things to look out for so you don't get stuck in that. So the first one I want to address today is the shock stage. Now, this is where you've discovered your partner's betrayal. You've discovered the lies, the deceit the behind the scenes secret lifestyle that they've been hiding from you. Now, there are different ways that this can happen. And depending upon the way that it took place can depend upon the shock level and depend upon really kind of how long that can last and how long you're in the grieving process. Let me give you a for instance. You can find out in an initial discovery after you have had an inkling, what I call the Holy Spirit moving within you, that Holy Spirit stirring, and you've kind of wondered if there is something going on with him because he's not quite right. He's he's had, you know, these weird um, things going on in his life, mood swings away from home, attached to his phone, you know, leaving the house unexpectedly, whatever they are. But you know that there's something not quite right. So you have either hired someone to investigate or you went on your own investigation and you discovered the sexual betrayal. But also, you can discover the sexual betrayal by it basically being, it's falling into your lap. In other words, it was an accidental discovery. Someone called you, you found something on social media, you found, you picked up the phone accidentally and you've discovered it that way. You found all the text messages and all of this stuff. Maybe you opened up your computer and you found pornography sites that led to emails or maybe that it was one of those things where, you know, you're driving down the road and you see them together beautiful. I know what that's like. Like the first time that I went through a betrayal at the age of 30, I walked in on my ex-husband and his affair partner, like in the act. And that was very, very uh, traumatic for me. Um, I was at a different stage in my life at that point, And I handled it very differently than I did this time. This time it was more of I knew that something wasn't quite right, so I hired someone to gather all the information, and then the information was given to me. But irregardless, both ways for me were very devastating, and they they just sent a shockwave through my entire psyche and through my entire being. And reactions during this stage can actually vary greatly, and often the behavior is extreme because of the trauma that has been inflicted upon us, and the trauma comes from our reaction to what has happened. So. The betrayal itself, it sends us into that fight, flight, or freeze state, right? Where we, you know, we want to fight it out. We want to just go at it with dukes up and we want to confront that situation. And we are just over the top, extremely vengeful anger, whatever. Or we go into the flight mode. That's where I went. 
where you want to flee. You just want to run from the situation. It is so overwhelming. You can't uh, process it. You can't begin to understand it. And you just want to flee from the situation. You want to get as far away from it as possible. Or you go into that free state where you go numb. You go numb. You just shut down. You know, any one of these, we wonder how in the world can I go on? Can I go on? You know, or why should I go on? And we try to find, you know, a simple way to get through each and every day the best we can. Now, like I said, some of us, we shut down, unable to get out of bed. We don't shower. We can't function with our daily tasks. Um, we, you know, we just literally are the ostrich with the head in the sand. We want to bury ourselves under the covers and not come out. Ladies, that was me. After I fleed, right? After I fleed, after I fled, <laughs> after I fled the scene, you know, that flight mode, I had to come back home, but I shut down. I, I was so overwhelmed, I shut down. And I, I didn't want to get out of bed, and I didn't for five days. I just stayed in bed, locked myself in the room, and didn't function. I literally had my Bible, you know, in the clutch of my arms, you know, tight to my chest. And I couldn't even read my Bible. Didn't, couldn't even pray. That's all I could do was just clutch my Bible at that point. But other women... You may want to lash out at your partner, right? Um, or anyone in your path, for that matter, because you're just so wounded that that's what you feel deep down inside. You might not be able to control your emotions at this point. You know, you might be crying uncontrollably. The tears don't stop. You might be so angry that you're just lashing out at everyone. Or, believe it or not, you might go into excessive laughter. And I know that might sound crazy, but it does happen because it's an emotion that your body just gravitates to because it doesn't know what else to do. Or there are those who go into a hypersexual state where they're wanting to come close to their partner, to their husband, and they want to have sex. Is this abnormal? No, beautiful, it's not. It's a coping mechanism, right? And it's often short-lived, but they, they try to grab a hold and to hold on and save that relationship with everything they have, okay? All of these responses are a part of the initial shock phase, and it gives us a level of anesthesia. It helps us to cope with the pain in the best way that we can. It's a part of that survival mode where our body only allows us to feel as much as we can handle. You know, the Bible says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, and I like to say that's where it fits in, right? This is where, you know, we can only handle so much, so our body is in that survival mode to protect us at this point. And so these are normal responses. But I also want you to know that as the shock begins to wear off, you'll find yourself moving into other stages. And sometimes those other stages can bring on greater pain. Because the shock, the initial, initial shock can throw us into the fight, flight, or freeze mode, which is a part of survival. But when we start to move through some of the other stages, I just want to let you know that it can be more painful. 
But I want to also remind you of this, that the way to healing is through the pain. It's not going around it. It's not denying it. It's not saying it never happened, which is part of denial. It's not um, trying to jump over it. You have to walk through it, beautiful. And I know you don't want to hear that, but it's true. The way to healing is through the pain. There's unfortunately no magic pill that you can take. I wish I could give you a magic formula, secret tips or shortcuts, but the reality is I can't. To heal from the pain, you must walk through it. And I've walked through it. And and there are some things that I'm still walking through. But I want you to know that there is hope. And if you do the work, beautiful, I promise you, you will heal. God will meet you there. He is faithful. So just get yourself ready to know that you're going to have to walk through this. So the question is, How do we recognize if we're in this phase? Well, there are some signs, but this one is more about the initial discovery. Initial discovery is the shock stage. I call it the shattering season that we're in, where the world that which we knew is completely shattered. This can last for a few weeks. It can last for a few months. But how do we not get stuck here? Well, here's a little bit of good news for you. You really don't get stuck in this phase, okay? You really don't get stuck in the shattering season, so to speak, because it's a reaction to the initial discovery. But when we move on to the next few stages, you're going to have to realize those stages you're going to have to watch a little more closely because those are the ones that most of the women get stuck in. The second one that I want to address today is denial. Now, let's look at that. Denial is a stage of grief. This is where David Kessler wrote on his website. It, he said, quote, It helps us to survive the loss. In this stage, the world becomes meaningless and overwhelming. Life makes no sense. In other words, when we're in the denial stage... This means that we can't even comprehend what has happened to us. Our brain is working so hard to understand, to grasp, to put put itself around what has happened. The shock and surprise is so great, and it's hard to grasp that reality, right? And your partner, the truth is, he has shattered your trust. He has broken his vows, his promises to you. And for you, the shattering is so great that oftentimes we enter into this reality stage of trying to um, deny it just for the sake of maintaining some kind of hopeful normalcy in our life. In our attempts and desires to make it all go away, we fall into patterns that end up rejecting the reality of the betrayal. So how can you recognize if you're in this phase, right? Well, you have first a premature optimism. What I mean by that is um, you're acting like the betrayal doesn't really bother you. Yeah, You know, you take these... um, 
tiny little steps towards your spouse and and you're you're saying look you know if you just change this it'd be okay and they're maybe taking a little bit of a step and you're like oh okay well everything's fine everything's fine okay that's denial or maybe one of the ways is you know, a virtual infidelity happened and you, or maybe it was an emotional affair and you tell yourself, well, at least he wasn't with a live person. At least they didn't sleep together. So it brings it into a denial state and you're trying to lessen the impact of the betrayal. Another part of premature optimism, which I spoke of, is maybe you instantaneously forgive him for what he did. Now, while I'm all about being positive, I'm all about being optimistic, right? It can be good and, and, and a helpful state of mind at that. But when we forgive and prematurely have all this optimism uh, too soon, it can actually be a sign of denial. Now, another phase is you could simply shrug your shoulders and assume there's nothing you can do about it. Again, this is where I, I call this the phase where you're sitting there going, this is just how it is. You know, this is just life. There's nothing I can change. He is who he is. You know, the only thing I can do is move on and let it go. Well, this is a form of denial. This puts you in a victim mindset. Now, the most obvious form of denial is that anything is going on or has gone on. You make excuses for them. You find alternative explanations for what has happened. You are trying to excuse this away. This also is a form of denial. Now, while denial tends to have a negative connotation. Um, It is a part of the healing process, beautiful. It really, really is. And it's a part of it as to help us protect ourselves from some of the painful emotions that we're feeling. And in the beginning, we need a little bit of space. We need a little bit of time out, right? Because we can't handle everything that's been thrown on us. But... If you get stuck here and you start to numb out here, it can cause you to be in a constant state of dullness or intense pain. The exact emotion that you're trying to avoid. You know, many women struggle with the reality that this is now their life. It's, this is a normal response, beautiful, and I want you to know that. They struggle with it. You struggle. I struggle. And it's in our attempts and desires to make it all go away. We we don't want to accept the fact that this has really happened and our life as we knew it is no more. So how do we not get stuck here? Well, the key is to begin to allow yourself to feel the emotions when they come. And I know some of you are probably going to say, but Lisa... I don't want to feel it. It hurts too bad. I can't breathe. It feels like my heart is going to explode. Actually, Lisa, I feel like if I let my emotions go, I'm going to die. That's how I felt. 
everything I just said, I felt. I understand where you are. And whether the emotions feel good or bad, allowing yourself to feel is okay. It's key to your healing process. And you might be afraid to go it alone there. And that's why a great coach or a counselor or a therapist who's trauma-informed is someone to reach out to. Because the fear of opening the floodgates and not being able to close them can be overwhelming in and of itself. But every emotion, listen beautiful, every emotion will eventually run its course if you allow it to. And there are techniques, somatic techniques, that you can use to help you process the feelings, to get you through the waves that come. Because I want you to know that it's okay to feel angry, it's okay to feel the pain and to hurt. I know it's not enjoyable, but it is essential and a part of your healing process. Okay. The last one that I want to tackle today is obsession. (laughs) And you're like, really? A part of the grief process? Yes, beautiful. It is a part of the grief process. You see, we go through that initial shock. And then when the realness of our situation starts to kick in, like you find it to where you're you're really faced with reality and you're looking at it square in the face this is where you find it very difficult to focus on anything else in your life you find that you are obsessed with anything regarding the betrayal you're obsessed with his deceit the lies any of the information regarding the betrayal, you begin to wonder and you begin to fear um, over all the possibilities that are now associated with this. You know, you even examine, was there any truth in our relationship at all? Did we have anything that was real? How long has he been doing this? So you launch your full-blown investigation. (laughs) You start to analyze and question yourself. You're investigating everything. Um, You might be caught in the cyclone of painful details that you find out. Um, Now you're trying to analyze everything concerning yourself, concerning your partner, the relationship you had together. You're obsessed with finding out information regarding the affair partner. Where did they meet? How long have been they been together? This is where you're obsessed to the point of checking phone records, maybe GPS records. You're looking at social media activity, emails. Um, You might even go so far as to try to follow your husband, boyfriend, your fiance, and see, you know, where they are going after work if they say they're working late. You find yourself playing detective, and it is an absolute obsession. And beautiful, I was there. So I do understand this phase very well. Actually, I've gone through all of them. (laughs) I'll just let you know that. So how do you recognize if you're in this phase? Well, this is where you spend your time thinking, you're analyzing, 
all the details of your spouse's actions are spinning uncontrollably in your mind at any given moment. You're obsessed with it. You're constantly checking uh, his phone if you're able to get to it, right? Maybe you have a back end into his phone account and you're going in there looking at text message um, detail history or phone message history. Uh, you're tracking where they are. You're looking at their emails. You're policing all their activities. Maybe you're spending all your free energy consumed in the betrayal. It's the only thing that you can think about. All your conversations that you're having with family and friends tend to lead back to the betrayal. And another one is where you usually avoid anywhere that might be a threat to you. In other words, it's triggering to you. And this could mean that you are avoiding going to church grocery shopping, driving down the street, or anywhere where you might think they met up, they were, anything that's going to trigger you, right? You look at it as a threat. And while learning to create a safe place for yourself to heal is important, I want you to understand this. The key here is to check for obsessiveness. If you start to isolate yourself to a point where you're not leaving your home and you're not functioning day to day in the normal stance that you used to, you're going to work, you're, you know, going to the grocery store, taking kids to school, all of that's kind of shut down, then you're probably in an obsessive phase. Now, it's important to remember again that all of these stages are normal, okay? They are normal. And we don't want to get stuck in any of them. The obsessive stage can be a place of hypervigilance. This is where it's interfering with your sleep, causing lots of fatigue. Maybe you're losing your concentration. You can't focus. Your mind is constantly spinning uncontrollably and you can't get a hold of it. This is normal when you're working through betrayal. And if you find yourself in this place, give yourself some grace. Don't judge yourself for it. But what you need to do is recognize where you are, give yourself some grace, and choose to do the necessary steps so that you don't get stuck here. This is a phase you definitely want to move through. I unfortunately was in an obsessive stage for quite a while. I was in this stage actually until we reconciled and were back together for a number of months. Like we were physically separated for a year. So I was in an obsessive state for almost a two-year period. And I was stuck there. And I, I was private investigator on everything. And I would go in and out of it, okay? But this was a normal thing for me, which led to a lot of dysregulation in my nervous system, led to a hospital stay, chronic stress, adrenal shutdown. It was just over the top for me. And so finally, I had to just walk away and go, I can't do this anymore. I've got to move through this stage. So how can you not get stuck here? Well, self-care is critical at this point, all right? Make time to nurture yourself. You've got to create an environment for healing. 
make sure you're focusing in on your physical state. You're eating properly. You're sleeping. You're exercising. Even if it's going for a walk, make sure you're taking care of yourself emotionally. Your emotional needs are being met. Maybe you need to hire a coach during this time or a therapist or a counselor so that you can start work through this, even using some of the somatic techniques to start to release some of this trauma for your body so that it doesn't get stuck in your body and call you, cause you to be in a state of dysregulation or disease. And then also take care of yourself spiritually. Like this is where you reconnect with God. Like let him know how you feel. Be honest with him. He knows anyway. He can handle it. So tell him how you feel. Then learn to focus on yourself and your healing rather than what your husband or partner's doing. All of their activities you can't control, right? So if you can focus on your healing rather than their activity, this is going to help you regain some sense of control. Now, many women have this false belief and, and, you know, I, I kind of was one of them for a while, all right? Where you falsely believe that if your husband would just do the work, if he would just quit the affair, if he would just put himself in counseling, if he would get into couples counseling, um, the list can go on, that it would make you feel a lot better. But beautiful, the truth is this, he's got to do his own work, and so do you. And you can't work on the relationship. Until you do the work of healing and he does some of the work of healing. So focus in on you to gain some sense of control back, right? Okay, so another thing is you can learn to live very present in the day in which you are, right? Instead of constantly looking in the past, um, constantly sitting there going, what is my future like? Like, oh my gosh, you know, am I going to have to live alone? What is it going to be like? Instead of being hypervigilant on that, Get present. What does today look like for you? Focus in on what you can do today to heal today. Because it is a process. Become in tune with your body. Where are you feeling some of these emotions? Are they, are they deep within your gut? Is it making your heart hurt? Is your mind out of control? Do you have constant headaches? Learn to be in tune to your body and realize things that can help you release that trauma. And for more information on the somatic techniques, I will put a link below to one of my broadcasts on that. However, I will be doing some upcoming broadcasts as well on somatic techniques to help you with that. Now, another one is this. Remove threats from your space by creating boundaries for yourself. <laughs> if, if he's still involved in the affair, that's dangerous for you. Okay, let's just put it as it is. It's dangerous for you. So you put up a boundary. You can't have any contact with me until the affair is over. Set your boundaries and stick to them. Also find safe people to communicate with. Suffering in silence is not going to be good for you. That is not going to be healing for you. It promotes fears. It isolates you from others. Find a good, safe friend, family member, coach, therapist, counselor whom you can confide in and remain um, in that relationship with so that you can build that trust relationship to work through this process. And beautiful, like, work with someone. Get the support you need because you are worth it. Absolutely worth it. 
And if you are in any of these, these are three of the ones that we're going to be going through. And we're going to hit part two on Friday. But beautiful, if you are in these top three right now and you're like, I am stuck, then below in the show notes, I have a free coaching call. I do this with all my clients. Have a free coaching call. We can jump on. We can talk about where you are presently. And we can assess whether or not coaching is a fit for you. No, no strings attached. I do that because I want to help you where you are and to see if this is a good fit. And if not, great. We can get you with a counselor, a therapist, some safe people. But I want to at least help you in that first discovery call. So jump on that call, get on my calendar, and I'd love to talk to you. So we're done with part one. You've got to be here on Friday for part two because we're going to talk about a few more stages that you could possibly be in in the grieving process of betrayal trauma. Until then, beautiful, I believe in you. Believe in yourself as much as I do. And God bless. Hey, beautiful. Thanks for stopping by today and spending a little while with me. Make sure to subscribe to my podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, something really hit you in one of the moments, or you were inspired to take the next step in your healing, reach out to me and by all means, leave a review. This is the highest compliment I can receive. And make sure to screenshot this episode. Share us out on IG and Facebook stories. Tag me at Beauty Beyond Betrayal Podcast. And I'll give you a huge shout out as well. And if you're ready to move out of the devastation of betrayal and redesign your life and relationships in the way you desire them to be, hit me up in the DM. I would love to hear from you and connect. Until next time, love God, live your life passionately, and always choose joy in the midst of all circumstances that you may face. Cheers to you, beautiful.